Hello everyone, this is Swiss Triplets with Arthur Natick and my name is Arthur Natick. Welcome back to the show. you so much for being back this is episode number five this is kind of crazy that we already had five conversations with great people and today is no exception i'm really happy to introduce you to laurence desarzan i'm very happy to have her today on the show, Laurence is a very important uh, member of the Swiss music scene. She's been organizing concerts and events all around the country for many years. I was very happy to welcome Laurence in my own apartment in Zurich on this crazy day where basically the whole country was red. It was a very interesting day where the whole country was covered with Sahara dust. Basically sand from the desert was flying around in the whole, um, yeah, the whole sky and the, the whole air was looking red. Yeah, I had a really inspiring talk with her about her experience organizing concert in the mid-70s in Lausanne and how she moved to Zurich at the Rote Fabrique and how she managed the young gods and how she did all of those really crazy, cool things. And it was very inspiring for me again to hear um, a story of how all those things are coming together and how basically the time that she was growing up in is in a way similar as what we're living right now and it felt good to have this perspective and think about you know going outside of Switzerland and proposing this music and how all those new tools are helping us to do this but also all the new uh, barriers and all the new challenges that we are facing today. Laurence once again for sharing her experience with me and with us. Thank you so much for listening and I will go right away to our conversation together. This is Swiss Triplets. Thank you so much for listening. Basically. <laughs> or if you were always if you were always in the music world. It's a long story, but um, okay, I'm it's a, the first question like where I'm from actually I'm, I'm born in Lausanne but it's a difficult question for me to answer because I've been moving so much. Um, I live in Lausanne, I live in Geneva, <clears throat> I live in Brussels, in Paris, in Zurich, in Basel, um, in London, in different places. And therefore, for me, it's not really, I could say, okay. like, <laughs> I was born in Lausanne. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my mother is French. And then I move uh, to Geneva later on a, uh, at one point. Um, I will go back to and then I moved around depending on what I would say what 
the music take me I, from, my, from okay. my film. I'm not yeah. a musician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just really interested in music. I love music. I always love music. My dad was a big music fan. Okay. So he had a wonderful uh, record player. He nice. was uh, having, of course, listening, I guess, to all the dads now, like from uh, people my age, like to a lot of jazz music. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it stopped uh, approximately the period when Coltrane started. Okay. Like, it was more difficult for him. Okay. But he was always curious and also very curious for um, for um, what you call like pop or whatever, like you know, High Quentin Turner, The Beatles, etc. Crosby, Steele, Nash Young, all this music. And also a lot of music he loved to travel, so he will always bring back records from mm -hmm. when he was traveling. He would go to Brazil, he was in Brazil in the 70s, and bring a lot of records back from there. But he would, I don't know, he would go to an island or somewhere, he would just bring records. So it was always a lot of music. Okay. Um, he was also not a musician, he was not really playing an instrument, mm -hmm. but he always loved... Uh, to entertain people with music. Okay, okay. So he was making what you call today mixtape. He had a Revox. Wow. So when okay. he would invite people home, he would just really make these big, you know, like these big tapes with different music style and he had different atmosphere, like what you would call now, he would make really a mixtape. Oh, wow, cool. So we'd invite, he was an architect, so we'd invite people and then he had special tapes for different moments, you know. <laughs> So it was, uh, I guess this somewhere still, you know, there was always music and according to different atmospheres. So I guess that's stuck to me. And that's also how I was introduced, uh, introduced to music. Mm -hmm. And I always loved it. And um, But you never wanted to play an instrument? Uh, I play different instruments, but oh. my problem was I was moving so much ah, everywhere okay. that I could not, I was not having the let's say the discipline okay. to rehearse. I okay. played saxophone, <laughs> okay. I played bass and I was even singing at one point. Mm -hmm. But you know you need to really rehearse, practice and focus on it. And I was at this time I, I was yeah <laughs> I was going everywhere around and it was not possible to follow, okay, follow okay. <laughs> but still I love music and um uh what can I say? I can say that I'm a, a little bit child of the 70s. I guess I was really impacted by what happening in the 70s. Um, I'm an old person now. I would just turn 61. <laughs> so I'm a, just to situate the context. And uh, in the 70s, mid 70s, I was a teenager. And there was, you know, there was the Vietnam War. There was a lot of different things happening. And I was really impacted, as I've been very impacted by um, the counter, what you call the counterculture. Mm -hmm. And um, like everything which came out of that, like uh, there was like the cartoons, you know, like these early cartoons, like the Freak Brothers, like, but really what you call the counterculture. And at this mid 70s, I will say it's funny because there was also this first conscious thing that the environment problems, you know, yeah, like yeah. everybody was saying, how oh, we go back to nature because yeah. things doesn't work. And there was a lot of demonstration also in Switzerland in uh, mid 70s. There was in Lausanne where I was born. There was also demonstration in the streets, people, no place to, you know, where young people could hang out. Yeah. So there was already this very troubled period, which you find today yeah, still like yeah, some things. And yeah. I was... A very, I was a very quiet 
when I was young, very a child, but then when I became a teenager, I become all these things start to really, you know, like uh, I was really impacted by that and touch and concern. And I started to read a lot <clears throat> and have um, discussion with uh, all the people than me about that. And I, it really impacted me. And the music was also part of that mm -hmm. because I think music was also carrying a lot of message. Also, we didn't really understand, understood English properly at the time, but you know, music, pop music in general was also carrying different messages. Yes, like, yeah. As you know, from this time, a different music, even in the funk music, but also pop and everything, everybody, you know, it was a kind of a vehicle, the music to yeah, carry yeah. aspiration from people. And I guess for me, it's these whole things like the read, the books, you know, the literature, the music, the culture really impacted me. And I started to really be very very concerned by all this mm -hmm. and um, starting to really feel that schools was terrible I was bored to hell okay <laughs> <laughs> so I turned from a very assiduate uh, person to somebody who was really uh, really contesting everything and it was becoming really really complicated at school which I left uh, when I was really young mm -hmm. And I thought we have to go back to the essential and I I have to go back to nature and I I, I choose to be a farmer mm -hmm. and to learn to be a farmer. And my parents totally freak out <laughs> because it was like, what? Where you going? It was absolutely not trendy at the time. Okay. And uh, they didn't come from there. So it was really terrible for them that suddenly okay. I decided to stop my study and I was 15 and I want to... To, to go and do an apprenticeship of uh, to be a to be a farmer that yeah. was terrible for them and so where did you did you do that where did yes you... and I did this in Switzerland um, in, in uh, Canton de Vaud or the... in Canton de Vaud yes the oh. thing is you do I, at the time I don't know if it's still like this but you do two years practiceship you go you live really in a farm mm -hmm. and you work there and then you have a, an exam and I, I did I was I, I had to find a farmer will accept me as an apprentice, you know, mm -hmm. because once I was not from the from this, I was not a son, uh, a daughter from a oh, yeah, yeah. from a farmer, but yeah. also um, I was a woman, and at the time we were in all Switzerland, we were two women who did no, this. No, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so okay. that was uh, because women in the farm usually they work more, um, taking care of the garden and the little animals like the chicken and everything and take care of all the parts of the farm which is administration and kitchens and all you know all these parts mm -hmm. and men is usually do we're doing the bigger work like you know okay like the cows or going on the fields mm -hmm. etc et so this role were clearly divided because people were living like this mm -hmm. and that was a balance. But then me, I was just taking this other role and you have to find the people who will accept this. Mm -hmm. And also it was really tough physically, it was really hard. But yes, I did this apprenticeship and I finished and basically that's my only paper official paper okay, yeah. very cool <laughs> so <laughs> i'm diplomat but that was really interesting experience also again because at this time yeah, there was all this movement of 
you know, of communes and of of wanting to live differently, yeah, yeah, rethinking yeah. the dif- everything, rethinking the family. Is it similar to what's going on right now? It's kind say? of fam- It's different, but yeah. yes, it was a kind of really movement. Like uh-huh. you know, you will rethink your relationship, uh, like the classical family, mononuclear mm. family. Uh, Everything was put into questions. Because I have a feeling right now, all of those are so... And I know people, musicians also, Mm -hmm. that are really thinking about, you know, wow, I know how to play an instrument, but I don't know how to grow vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) And this is essential Mm -hmm. because if something happens, like we just lived this last year, (laughs) uh, not knowing how to take care of a plant, Mm -hmm. it's maybe an essential part of being a yeah. human being. So I have a feeling right now, a lot of people are all g- again yeah. thinking about this. I had also this yeah. feeling and yeah. I think it's, it's really, it was really important. Uh, it's something I never regret. It was really tough physically. I yeah. mean, when you have to make a living of this, yeah, I yeah. think you should not be uh, naive. Uh, it's different if you do it in the city where you don't have to have revenues from that or something. And I think it's great and I'm totally advocate for that. But it's really the, the farm life is, is really hard. Yeah, it's yeah. A really tough. You know, you are outside uh, any weather. You, the, the, I mean, you work really early. I was standing up at start working at five in the morning, yeah, you know, yeah. take off the car, you finish. You almost don't have some some weekend. You don't you work also, etc. It's hard. It's a really yeah, harsh yeah. life. So yes. you have to respect this. Yes. But it was um, it was really interesting. And um, you can maybe ask me why I didn't continue because it was really difficult. And at one point, I didn't see how I could pursue at Today, I, I would know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was really difficult. It was difficult to, as a woman and uh, to pursue studies. And it was nothing was like now where you could see, okay, I was also v- already interested in um, bio, bio agriculture. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing. It was really the only people who were doing this at the time. From I know and remember we didn't have internet at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> where um, really hippies people like what people would call like hippies or something yeah, yeah. today yeah. I know that there was really interesting initiatives at the time actually coming from Switzerland like people like Longomai which is an association which is which was started uh, for, with people end of the 60s um, in Basel Um, and now is, is really in different countries. Like it's really uh, very interesting what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to know that they exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. But voilà, at the time you didn't have uh, communication tools right. like we have today. Mm-hmm. And so I just, uh, I just stopped. But, uh, and I went back to the city and what. And, um, and there I really, I was always listening to a lot of music, like what I was telling you before. And I had friends who were uh, doing concerts, like first, I think was the first early kind of punk concerts. Okay. And, um, Where was this? In Lausanne. Uh, it was a guy called Alain Pellichet, and he really did... Uh, Nobody remember him now. Okay, okay. <laughs> But he was, uh, I think he's in Canada now, in Quebec or something. <laughs> and um, he's, he was doing like really the first concerts. And we was like, ah, oh, it's really interesting. I will help you. And 
what can I do for the concerts, okay. uh, distributing flyers, um, working at the bar or whatever. And that's how I, I started to go into, into, into this concert scene. And at the time you had this old also punk scene uh, going on. And we were living in Squat House and, and in Lausanne. And, you know, also these kind of things where everybody is super creative, you know, like this kind of collectives and everybody is doing music or art or whatever. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just really interested. So you have this really dynamic. You live with not much money, but you have a really so much creative mm -hmm. power together. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really this old dynamic that we were... In this in Lausanne and Lausanne was super boring at the time. There was for us nothing, you know. And I remember we hang out always like in the streets, and we were like, "Oh my God, you know, there is nothing. I'm so bored and okay, everything." Okay. Yeah. And um, so at one point, you just I was I started to have connection in the music scene. And I went to France, to Lyon, to see concerts. And I, uh, I befriended people who were doing concerts there. So I went to see bands like The Cure when they started, The wow. Cramps, and all these bands. And um, and then the people say, hey, why don't you... And I went to see some bands. I went to Transmusical when it was really, really the early editions. Okay, wow. okay. And I see bands there, and I thought, ah, these bands are really cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And when you, I don't know, when you are 19, 20, you're just very direct, you know, for me, it's like, if you mm -hmm. look in a camera, when you are 19, 20, it's like you have the, um, uh, the teleobjectives, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. focus on one thing and you yeah. go to it. Yeah. And the older you get, the more wide angle yeah, you yeah, see, yeah, okay. more, <laughs> you see the more what's going around. But at the time, you're just like, wow, you know, I, I yeah, focus yeah, yeah. on one thing and I, I go straight to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had this old demonstration again in also after the demonstration in the mid 70s then there was also demonstration end of the 70s for uh, having a, a space you know like people wanted to have their own space and you had demonstration in zurich you had demonstration in lausanne every saturday you wow. go demonstrate in the streets you had fight with the police sometimes <laughs> I was beaten up by the police and throwing uh -huh. jails and everything. Mm -hmm. But basically you wanted, you need, we wanted to have a space for us, mm -hmm. you know. And then to make very short, but there is really, I think online you, you find now little uh, funny films from these periods where you see how it was. You see the police were not like so well equipped that it was yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, they give a, a kind of centre autonome mm -hmm. in Lausanne, and next to this centre autonome, you had a place a bit, a bit like the Helsinki here, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a little garage, yeah. kind of. And people started to to equip this garage with um, with I think maybe with a depot kind of places to make small concerts. Yeah, yeah. And then I come to these people and I say, I would like to do concerts, you know, like very basic. It's like, um, oh, I met this band. I like them. I bring them. Yeah, yeah. Can they, they are okay to play. Can they come, etc. and organize. And I started to organize these concerts in this place, which was an illegal place. Do they have a name? What's it was Cabaret Orwell, was okay. called. And um, I did several concerts. First, I did a lot of Swiss bands, mm -hmm. um, like bands also from Zurich, a mm -hmm. band called TNT, 
with a girl called Sarah, who's still playing now. She's doing a new band, Sarah. Cool. Yeah, really cool. And, but also um, the, f the first version of uh, the bands from the world are from Stefan Eicher, who did Krautzone, okay. all these punk bands. And then I started, because I had this connection with France, I started to do French, mm -hmm. French, uh, French band. And it was very simple. Basically, I invite the bands to stay my place. <laughs> I will cook for them. <laughs> I will do all the artwork myself, like the flyers, the poster and everything. I will do the door myself. I will pay everything myself. <laughs> and uh, you will have a concert. And I think we, it was very simple. Okay. And uh, this place became really like, it was the only place where you could go out, have a drink at the normal price and see music. So it was always packed. Okay. And I remember... Like, I think it was one time, it was a school's holiday and, you know, it was really like, but it was very bare, huh? very, very, <laughs> the <laughs> everybody was crazy yeah. and was so packed and we started to see, see strange people coming, you know, there because they heard, ah, oh, it's very cheap here yeah, and yeah, something. Yeah. You had the Centre Autonome on the other side also, which was really difficult sometimes for some people to manage. So it was... I think these places, what's interesting is usually you have a lot of energy focus who suddenly is like kind of coming together mm -hmm. in places like this. But usually at one point it explodes. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So for like six months was super intense and great concerts. And then the police came one, one day we were having waiting for a band and then the police came broke the whole PA down and um, we had a lot of discussion we did an association and then we fight it to um, basically that the city said they will give a new place yeah, okay. to young people etc and then voila then from this came the Dolce Vita mm -hmm. after to make a, a, a short story right mm. but it was this whole energy with, which was there you know like right. and again it's a, it's about a culture, I think for, for a lot of people, it was very linked to music, the culture, and let's say the vision of the world that we have at the time, which was very nihilistic, mm -hmm. I can't kind of, but I think it was music was very linked with attitude and you know, with something because it was you had nothing, mm -hmm. so you have to make everything yourself, so mm -hmm. you just take what you can and you just do it. Right, right. And this immediate, immediacy, immediate, oh, I don't know, you think yeah, uh, immediacy, immediacy to, yeah. to do that, it brings a lot of energy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was great, you know. But suddenly things start to, you know, it's like if you have a passion with love, you know what I mean, you will totally passionate. Yeah, yeah. Have a passion with someone, you probably know this. I mean, you you just like ah, you're crazy, <laughs> and at one point, you know, it's going to just explode oh, yeah, because yeah. it's too intense. It's, it's yeah. so intense, and everything that you, it just burned. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a bit uh, these kind of places. It's a bit like that. Okay. And so the whole thing burned, but then it became. You know, from that started to come other things, and that was really interesting. And me, at this point, I moved to Geneva mm -hmm. because I was very impatient, and it took us six months to do 
negotiate with the city and then we couldn't get we wanted actually to have a, a bigger place and the right, Dolce Vita yeah. didn't work out okay. I don't want to go in details but just I was so impatient I was young I said like that <laughs> six months is like two years yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I, I just moved to Geneva where I did um, I was at the art school in Geneva mm-hmm. and there I also live in Squat and in the same time I was in the art school I continued to do concerts mm-hmm. And then I had always more contact, so I was starting also to have bands touring, and I started to organize dates also in other places okay. in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of bands. <clears throat> um, I try to remember, like Mark Stewart and the Mafia, with uh, I did uh, bands like John Spencer's. I try to say names of people who still exist, um, <laughs> or some people who remember. Um, I did a lot of a lot of. I started to do a lot of tour, and usually I would do uh, Geneva, and I would do Zurich, sometimes Lausanne, Dolce Vita, and then Fribourg or at the Frisson also, mm-hmm. for example, or Bern at uh, okay. at Rechula. Right. So I st- started to have this network because I was already coming to Zurich and mm-hmm. to Rotfabrik also okay. and. I mean, we were just like really linked with with Zurich, especially okay. Okay. because Zurich was the first place you came if you wanted to see concerts. Right. Uh, we yeah. always came to the Rote Fabrik, and that was yeah for us. It was a really important place to see the music we liked. Mm-hmm. So we were just always coming up, coming up, coming up there. Okay. So it was interesting, and for me, it was also always a very important the aspect, the context of where you, pl- where you have a concert. It doesn't matter if it's uh, in the squat or wherever, but I, it's, for me it's more about how I can, let's say, program a band in a certain con- context, right. which makes it really strong mm-hmm. for the audience and for the artist. Right. And I try to, I was also very interested in visual art, so I just also... Tr- started to work with some bands who have integrated visuals okay, and yeah. it was really relatively new let's say but you had some bands who started to work with okay, visuals wow. um like test department it was like this kind of industrial bands industrial sounds but a lot of bands also if you think about throbbing gristle or bands from this industrial scenes they were working a lot with visuals mm-hmm. Visuals was very important. So there okay. was always a kind of scene borders between visual arts or performance arts and music in, in this field. Were there Swiss bands that were doing this already at that point? Uh, or I was th- mostly uh, coming from, from abroad? I think you could say, for example, Yellow. Yellow, yeah. yeah. They were doing it already, if <laughs> you want to talk about some, because... Uh, Dieter Meyer, I think he come really from the visual art yes, world for sure, yeah, yeah. and so for them the image was very important mm-hmm, yeah. so I think you could you could speak about Yellow I'm, I don't have another name but I'm pretty sure and were sure you already in contact with some of those more local I mean local yeah just Swiss bands that were on the same you know between uh, Dolce Vita and Rote Fabrik what were the bands back then? Uh, it's the goods. I'm, I really have uh, bad memories for names. <laughs> <laughs> but I work with a band which uh, which I manage after was called Young Gods. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us how how that happened? How did you meet? Because they are quite a 
legends from, from, from Switzerland? <laughs> um, yes, they were. I knew them from a frisson. Yeah. When they were before, I knew the individual individual person okay, from, yeah. because before they were young gods. Okay. Because they were also playing in a band called okay. Jofun the Ram. Okay. But it was different people involved. Mm -hmm. But then there were also people who were active. France was very active mm -hmm. in the Frisson. And it's people who were really always also active in this mm -hmm. culture scene and very involved. Right. So we knew each other because of there was not too many places. So, right. you know, okay, I go in Fribourg. We know the people from the Frisson and mm -hmm. we are friends and etc. And um, so I know them from there. And when they just... Finally, France, he was an excellent guitarist, mm -hmm. but he decided I don't want to play guitar anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was friends with uh, Cesare Pizzi, mm -hmm. which was working at Reuters, but he was like really a little computer genius mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> already at the time. So I think they, when they discussed together, they have France was like Cesare was talking about this sampling ideas, which mm -hmm. was really early. Okay, okay. And Francie, he had also different ideas, and together, they just spoke together, and then they just have this concept with uh, the sound and the voice, and then they found uh, the first drummer, which was called Frank Banyu. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, deceased, but he was a great, also a great drummer. Crazy mm -hmm. guy, but a really great drummer. And so you started becoming you. you oh, we were, were first friends. Manager. So and I was doing a lo all these concerts. So oh, yeah. I said, okay, if you look for concert, um, I can do concert for you, and <laughs> just I can help you to find concert. And that started like this, okay. basically, also very very simple. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you have you have no, yeah, you have no ideas from structure. What is to match your band? <laughs> No idea. So the first thing for me was that they play, you know, like they play a maximum in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So I was making, having this band that were touring in Switzerland. So I, I said, okay, I put them in as support bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to pay, but you have to take them. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, people really didn't understand in Switzerland and nobody wanted to have the young gods. People I really. really didn't like it at all. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was doing cassettes, you know, mm -hmm. and sending these cassettes. Because at the time you had cassette, yeah. <laughs> and sending them and say you have to take, you cannot have the main band if, if you, you don't, don't take the support, and um, yeah, and then it was really hard to find gigs. But like okay. this, they could play, um, they could play in Switzerland. And I remember one concert at Rote Fabrik was really funny because, you know, we had this first sampler. Which work also with tapes, with cassette tapes okay. at the time from Cesar. I'm not the technician. But you know they have this song called Envoyé with like tags, the guitar riff like da -da -da, you yeah, know, yeah, and you yeah. would press on the on the keyboard like da -da, yeah, envoyé yeah. and then the drummer Franck, he was this strong, tall guy, like bam, you know, yeah. really powerful. Behind the drum, da -da -da, and Franck would go like wow, you know, <laughs> in the microphone. And then I was uh, I was always doing the light also because really? I was bored <laughs> so sometimes I was like okay I do the light at least I know the tracks yeah, yeah, yeah and then I was always behind on the venue and then it's like it's this you know this guitar riff and then the guitar riff goes on again and again and again and suddenly I'm like wow it's a bit strange you know like, <laughs> <laughs> but then what happened is basically the keyboard um, um, 
c'est la touche. Yeah, the key, yeah, the key the from key, the keyboard. Yeah, got stuck. It got stuck. <laughs> so he was this loop. This guitar loop was never ending, and, and Cesare was trying, trying to get rid to of it, it, and he couldn't manage, and the drummer thought, Hi, he wants me to. <laughs> so the drummer was going on and on oh, and on. Okay, okay. I think it took about two, three minutes till everybody realized there's a problem. There's a problem. And at this time, you could do nothing and you have to stop the concerts. Just really? To, uh, you know, to turn it off. To turn it off for me because the key was really embarrassing. Okay, wow. <laughs> but uh, it was really interesting. And then I started to do. Um, We, I started to book tour also outside Switzerland yeah, because yeah. they had connections and we had, I guess, all the... We had uh, a great label from... Uh, because it was at the time, Rek Rek, if you know the record, they was doing this distribution. It was also a record label, was really also very important people. And you had another person which was really important called Marcus May. He had a label called Organic Records and he... He put out compilations, but he had he, he was yeah he basically decided he's going to do the first uh, the first single from the Young Gods, mm -hmm. and then he had connection in England, so he licensed uh, wow. to um, yeah. to a label called Wax Tracks in England, and so we had we knew we had a release in in England, and I could have two concerts. I had two concerts with connections in England also. Uh, because of uh, people I knew, agents, which I knew there. Mm -hmm. So basically we decided, okay, let's go to England because Switzerland, nobody was interested at all in the music. Okay, okay. Just so you know, it was, nobody was interested. So we say, let's gather the little <laughs> money we have. We had a, a bus, a, a little VV bus, you know, which was bought from the army. And then we said, let's go to England. And we stay there for a while because we have this concert and then we have this re record release, you know. Okay. So we just went to England and when we arrived there, we heard the actually was one good thing that we got a single of the week by the Melody Maker. And at the time, I wrote a text, also a PR text about the Young Gods because we don't want it to be associated with the other bands. So... We thought, let's use reference which are not music reference. Ah, okay. So we thought, let's have reference like buildings, for example, the Köln Cathedral. Let's talk about Europe. Okay. Uh, so let's say this is, and that comes the idea from sonic architecture okay, and, yeah, you know, yeah. like our sonor terrorist. Yeah, yeah. So basically in the bio, we had different stories let's say than other bands okay because yeah. we absolutely don't want it to be associated you know have something different that people wow. have look at a different perspective and actually it click uh, towards the english press mm -hmm. which i uh, really thought enjoy like the the story and like the sound mm -hmm. and we had really uh good reviews two good reviews in uh in english magazine which were at the time very important mm -hmm. And we had one concert in uh, Amersmith before a band called Bottle Surfer, which at the time was, it was like a big concert for London. It was maybe 1,500 people, when I remember. And uh, it was three bands, what horrible bands <laughs> before <laughs> us, kind of, uh, I don't know, American rock bands, and us, and then the Bottle Surfers. And again, like when you play there, you know, you just have... 100 pounds that's what you get and I think I gave a part of this or 
even all of this to the sound technician because I don't want it that he, you know, massacres the sound <laughs> for okay, the bands. Right. And um, England, it was like the industry, you know, like nobody cares about you and you just have to help yourself or something. So we have this concert again, thanks to, it was a woman who was an agent. I don't remember her name, but got the concert. Right. And then we played this concert, and then we had the attention from Miles Copeland, you know, the, from IRS. At the time, he was doing the Bengals. But then we, okay, then these old stories, uh, they wanted to sign uh, the Young Gods, but blah, blah, blah. Then it was all story with oh, contracts, yeah. which oh. were, well, but that's another thing. But then, yeah, this concert was good. And then we replaced this band, but also who didn't have a permit in a small venue in Camden. And there was 10 people at the concert, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. <laughs> no, it was mm -hmm. interesting. But it was 10 good people. Mm -hmm. It was 10, it was people from the press. It was Steve at the time who was managing Soft Cell. It was really, it was the manager from Yellow, it was different, interesting people. And then some other article came out, like, you know, we, there was really big feature about the bands in the press and everything. So basically it was a lot of press. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me in England basically wow. they loved the bands and wow. they really loved the performance so it was it was really good so it was funny because when we came back to Switzerland then suddenly everybody thought we were really rich I don't know for what reason <laughs> okay. and we uh, everybody was like yeah you know like and suddenly Swiss people were really interested in the oh, band yeah. just to say so that's how it works but that was for me also a very new experience because okay. I I don't know, you know, I never managed a band and again, no experience, again, no internet, you know, today you would just go online, you will get the information about different things and to, at this time it was nothing, you know, you just try to do uh, what you can do, right, yeah. how you think you do it. Yeah. And how long did you work with the, the young girls after? after I this? think about five years. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then we had a big crash, of course, because because I think I was also at the time I was probably chaotic and something. Yeah, it yeah. was not, and um, were you with still different expectations then? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then you moved to Zurich after after the Young Gods chapter. Well, no, just after, and after, just after uh, and after I'm, I'm I was after I moved to Belgium because. Ah. Um, I signed the lab, the bands on plate against them, and then they asked me to go and work for them okay. uh, at the record label in in Brussels. So when this whole thing, because for me the Young Gods was whole my life, you know, it was kind of like so intense. And um, when this crash happened between us, um, I just and they asked me if I want to work for them. I just say okay, then it's good time. I leave, I, I go to Brussels. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Brussels and I worked there and I learned everything about the record label, what it is to work within a record label. I was ENR for two, I was European manager for two um, American label. And then I was taking care of five bands mm -hmm. there. But I learned a lot also about how things work. But I had really a passion for uh, for live music. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's what also drove me to come back because okay. I really wanted. For me, it was 
I'm prefer to, you know, I'm really interested about the live music, not so much about the record. Right, yeah, yeah. The, to be in labor. And when you came back, you went directly to, to Zurich and Rote Fabrik? I went right. back to Zurich. I had no money at all, so I was working in a pub. And right. then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then this job opened in Rote Fabrik. I applied and I, I got the job, so I was, yeah. Yeah, I work, uh, and then I I could do the programmation yeah, in yeah. Rote Fabrik. Was it a collective, or you were by yourself to do the all the program? No, Rote Rot Fabrik is a big collective. Okay, and yeah. then within the Rote Fabrik, you have working groups, mm -hmm. and some of these working groups, you have people who do the program okay. who are actually get the salary. Yeah, like yeah. They are part of what you call the Betriebsgruppe, the group who yeah. organize. Mm -hmm. But everybody was getting the same salary, mm -hmm. and um, it's a really big collective, right, total yeah. basis democracy uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. within this. So we were two person. Mm -hmm. One person was Bernd Blankenburg I work with. He's now working for Universal mm -hmm. since many many years. Okay, okay. He works for Def Jam. Okay, yeah. And a big hip hop fan, and yeah, it was really uh, really good. Uh, Good taste in music, and both of us we did this, and then you have a working group within also, which is like was at the time was a music working group where individual people can join mm -hmm. just as a as an association. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have the feeling that that back then though the Swiss bands, if any, or like the Young Gods, or do you think from then until today, do you see like is there some kind of uh, Because, yeah, you mentioned the UK. The UK, mm -hmm. I have a feeling for everyone in the world, it's a very strong uh, identity. Mm -hmm. We all know what UK mm -hmm. music is. And it's tr for many places in the world, this is quite mm -hmm. clear. But my question is, is there such an identity for Swiss music? I think it's because in UK, the market, let's be clear, the market was really like for this music that we liked was mainly Americans so or mm -hmm. UK. Yeah. Uh, because you have all the industry was there and the distribution. That's why I think it was so strong mm -hmm. within this music field. And it's funny that you mentioned these questions because... Um, There was discussion with Cyril from Bordeaux, mm -hmm. and then he was saying, "Yeah, maybe there is a reset to be done, you know, towards the music industry because now it's changed a lot." Yeah, yeah. I think it's the market is really completely changed. Yes, I think, yeah. and then you have you have this kind of music you can you have in basically all countries. Yeah, yeah. and I I think it changed very much. At the time, it was very much like this, so everybody was looking at that in different fields. Also, you had bands, of course. You had bands of all different genres. For example, you had a punk scene from Switzerland, which was really strong. After you have a metal scene in Switzerland, etc. I think you have a very good mu music scene, and you always had. Yeah. The only problem is really how this music scene can, you know, be be known outside of yeah. outside of Switzerland, and you still see this now that you have artists who are. Uh, known outside Switzerland, but nobody knows they are Swiss. So, like for example, people who are known in French, um, in France, but everybody thinks they are French, but actually they are Swiss. Yes, you know, exactly. Something yeah. like that. So, I think it's because we are a small country. We are a very small country. We have different region, and then it's more, much more difficult to make an impact because uh, we don't have, we cannot have the marketing impact that that For have sure. these big countries. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why it's so difficult sometimes. And I don't know if it's really important. Do we have to promote ourselves as Swiss? Or do we have, you know? I'm not sure it's really what should be done. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I think today I read like Drake is like the most streamed artist on Spotify. But he's Canadian. The weekend is Canadian too. Right. So <clears throat> I don't know if it's everybody, do people really care about yeah. that nationality? The point which is true that you mentioned is how do you as a Swiss artist, how do you come out and you cannot, be, you don't have the benefit of being part of an industry which is pushed like, for example, the American or the French was also a big country or German or mm -hmm. something. And it's more difficult to find your... To, to go out and to really make an impact because if you want to try to make an impact outside, you have to enter a network which is much more difficult and people can be very protective. Yes. And yeah. it's hard. I think you have a scene, like you had at one point, you have a really strong hip-hop scene, for example, from Swiss-German scene. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it was independent labels, but how do you go out? You know, for example, like uh, Swiss-German hip-hop scenes, guys who rhyme in Swiss German very difficult that they make an impact even in the French part of Switzerland right funny enough like the French hip hop bands like I don't know when we were in Haute Fabrique for example Sans Unique at the time we could do two concerts each 1500 people one after another really? in Zurich they had much more success in Zurich than they ha would have in Lausanne really okay and it's the same like French hip hop bands had really a lot of success when they came to 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 Zurich to mm -hmm. Swiss German. But the other on the other side was really difficult. Right. I hope that you have German hip hop bands, but on the other hand you have a Stefan Eicher, mm -hmm. which is Swiss German, but uh, who have makes a huge career in um, in the French part. Yeah, of, and in France. In, in, yeah. And in France, so yeah. you know it's. Uh, I think it's it. It depends. I don't think you have a recipe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know it's if the label, the tag, is something I ask myself, if the tag Swiss is necessarily a tag which is useful for bands, as, for example, UK is, is useful or, yeah, yeah. or other countries. Yeah. Um, maybe it's, it's, I think, the quality of, of the bands is more important and the, their personality maybe more than their nationality for us, but it's very difficult to f compete with, uh, with this market. So, yeah. And what about the audiences, the people in the audience? <laughs> do you think they, did, do you see something that have cha has changed in, in the mentality of how people consume music and also how they maybe want to promote or help uh, local bands? Mm. Because a lot of people seems to say that there was a time where, you know, you could sell more tickets if you said this is a UK band or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, since today is less important, it seems we all agree this on where you're from, mm -hmm. it's less important. Do you think the mentality of the people that go to concerts, did that change or it's still a bit the same? I think it's, uh, you have... You know, you had less concerts at the time. Okay. So, for example, if I if I recall when I was doing concerts at the time, at the early time, I mean, there was much less things. So you do, you do posters, 
blah, blah, people will come because there was nothing. So that's easy. If you have a lot of more things, now you have a lot of more interest. You have so much things going on that I think people just follow what, you know, what they like, what may be difficult today is like it's more um, fragmented. Mm -hmm. Like people who like indie rock or people who like jazz go there and it's very rare that people maybe mix you know mix more like mm-hmm. people you like urban you go see that you go you like electronic you go see that but it's it's maybe less mixed up i would say sometimes but mm-hmm. maybe it's not so true actually because i think even when we did the concert at the time with i think now you have access to a lot of different things so you can follow things that's more difficult to choose and you and yes, it's more difficult probably to sell to sell tickets mm-hmm. apart for things that people know, okay, you know, like the show value. And you see this now when we have this situation with COVID, like if we talk about these famous streaming things, streaming concerts, basically the artists who are big enough, big already, they can do more. They can even sell more. They can sell even much more because... They reach a huge audience uh, online, but if you are a smaller band or uh, let's say middle-sized band, it's very difficult for you to. Uh, you cannot say okay, um, you can buy tickets for my stream concert for 20, 20 right, francs. Yeah, yeah. Nick Cave can do that, mm-hmm. or Tom York can do that, yeah. or other. But so for these people, there's no problem, and I think it's more difficult for smaller bands to 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 come true now mm-hmm. because you compete. On the other hand, and it's a discussion we have now with a lot of dif- different people is maybe a matter also of understanding certain tools, mm-hmm. so the way you can work to reach different people because mm-hmm. people inform themselves very differently now. Right, you have a lot of different information channel mm-hmm. where you can in- you can be informed about what's happening so if you can connect with these different channels um and you can you know how to use these different channels maybe you can reach audience that you will never have reached before you know mm-hmm. um i heard people who i don't know i heard about the pianist i think he's in valis or something and he's then he found an audience for himself in the country i don't know if it's china or wherever but i mean he would have never made music professionally before but he found a niche an audience for him a niche mm-hmm. audience which basically give him yeah it means it he makes enough money to just make it professionally like this not yeah, that he yeah. makes a lot of money but he managed to live with it but i don't think he could have done this without you know the tools that we have today sure yeah it's true so it's it's very different and I think for for me the difference is maybe this difference between culture and entertainment. Like now we discussed before, like why do you go to a concert? When I was telling you before, we go to a concert because it's a culture. It's like it's a band on stage represent a culture, a way of thinking, the way they dress, you know, and everything. And you would go and see that and. It's not only a teenage thing, it's really something more deep. It's like about really something, I think maybe also for people who, who, who are into music genre like reggae or metal, things like that. Mm-hmm. You identify very much with this culture and then you really follow the bands. Today, I think it's maybe sometime more like you want to 
music is a background or maybe um, I think sometimes if I see festivals I'm like why are people coming to the festival you know maybe more because they want to be with each other and the music is there it's cool but it's not like the most important thing so you see this because people talk a lot for that <laughs> concert right, yeah, yeah. if you go sometimes so it's it's really I think a, a, diff, a different thing that when I talk to you about the early time is you had nothing so you were so dedicated when you go to see mm. a concert because you were like I can only see this concert this month it's one concert and I want to see this because for me it's so important you know I don't have much choice mm -hmm. I cannot go online and listen to this. I buy records. I have to order it mm -hmm. and it takes a month so it's a different dynamic yeah, yeah, sure. as if you can pick up mm -hmm. things so the the music as commodity is a big I think it can become a big problem yeah yeah right. you know and people going into I always new things new things and I don't know how you live this as musicians but as, I, I don't know either you don't care or is it can put a lot of pressure? I think it's, I don't I don't know how how it's happening I mean, for uh, you. For me personally, <laughs> I think about it uh, every day of my life, of course, of about what what it means. That's why I'm very interested to try to understand how it was, <laughs> how yeah. it was ten years ago and twenty, mm -hmm. but also a hundred years ago, and mm -hmm. try to understand where we can go because the the quality of the music is getting always better almost mm -hmm. not maybe it's not that it's getting better than I before mm -hmm. but it's not falling mm -hmm. we're not having all of a sudden sure there's but there's always there was always bad music poor mm -hmm. quality yeah. stuff but there's always great quality stuff mm -hmm. and i think the technology and the online thing and social media is not is never going to take away quality music yeah. i think people will always but make it true. but then but then how how do you give that quality <laughs> how do you choose what is quality what is not i think in the last few years there's a lot of new tools that are making more difficult mm -hmm. because uh you're competing not you you're competing against the entire world every yeah. second <laughs> exactly. you are on spotify you're next to tom york you're not uh, yeah everyone is basically on social media we are basically competing mm -hmm. against the the biggest the biggest mm -hmm. ones are on the same platform as the small the ones yeah. that start, and I think so. I'm thinking always like how so what is our role? How can we bring? Yeah, try to 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 figure out a way to mm -hmm. to 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 pick out what's the quality and how can we push this to the people, but. Um, but it's also yeah. maybe your expectation because if you expect to be. Um, at the end, it's like, okay, do you want to make a living of it? Or how can you, yeah, yeah. you know, I think it's, that is the, the difficulties maybe for Swiss bands. It's mm -hmm. like, we're in a small market. I was in Brazil, for example. In Brazil, you have a, a you had a hip-hop collective called Raciones. They really totally independent. They do their own production. But Brazil is so good, you know, that mm -hmm. for them, they release an album, they make, they sell 100,000 records. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's such a huge country mm -hmm. and then so with this and plus i mean it's they can live with cheaper than, than yeah, us yeah, so yeah. they can manage to you know to live from their art and to mm -hmm. to have activities but like if you are um, in switzerland it's much more di it's much more difficult so how do you manage to 
yeah, what is the situation? The whole question is like, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. And we we've seen this question coming now between what is a mu amateur musicians or professional musicians, yeah, and what yeah. does it mean to be a professional musicians? Mm -hmm. And we discuss about this uh, Grundeinkommen or things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But um, it's it's really all these all these all these questions now because you are on a smaller territory and so how can you live from your music? Okay, you you can say you go yeah you go out and you find an audience outside, but you mm -hmm. have to make this move out. Yeah, yeah, true. You can't if you are in France, you can live very good by just being a musician in France. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you maybe have more competitions and internally, but you can live pretty easy yeah. like as there is a lot of, you can do a lot of concerts and but if you're in Switzerland you have to go out it's like yeah. all the small like all the smaller countries so mm -hmm. how do you now maybe it brings other other ideas or other you know like collaboration you can do mm -hmm. or yeah. like you were mentioning the high quality of the music here that's something that you can bring as a value. Like, for example, I mean, Swiss used to be really poor, like not so long ago. And then the, 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 we were talking with some friends also in Geneva. They, um, I think Apollo had a lot of uh, micro-engineering pieces, yeah, yeah. which were designed um, actually in Geneva mm -hmm. by, uh, by, the, by in the industry there. So Swiss were renowned, you know, for this precision yeah, yeah, right. engineering. Yeah. And that's what makes us really strong with watches, for example, etc. Yeah. So can you imagine something like this, for example, with music, to yeah, say yeah. you have great competencies on a certain level that you, it can become a value. And yeah. then we go back to what you were asking, this Swiss branding. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense because yeah. it's associated with... Yeah like really great craftsmanship yeah, yeah you know a lot of people in the in the podcast when i asked this question a lot of people brought up the uniqueness of things mm -hmm. i think it's true that because of maybe because the way people live in switzerland and the comfort level also bring brings out very unique projects and very unique personalities you know so there's also quite so in, it makes it maybe harder to sell <laughs> because it's it's a mix of a bunch of things and this music, what is it? It's, a, it's many things together. But it's true that a lot of uh, this, this thing we're describing now, the Swiss kind of stamp, is also, I think, most of the time very unique. The music that comes from here is a, it's a mix of a bunch of things and no one knows what it is. Is this it's a mix of jazz and electronic and this mm -hmm. and, and this, this uh, you know, and a lot of bands that are successful uh, outside of... Mm -hmm. And I think the Young Gods, this is also was extreme. Mm -hmm. I mean, you described it. The te technology was unique. Mm -hmm. The the combination of three, th uh, the trio, but mm -hmm. there's no bass. And I mean, it's a it's a unique thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the the music that came out was unique. Apparently, people didn't like it first. <laughs> in Switzerland. <laughs> in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh -huh. it matches for another. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a. For me, I love hearing this because it re. It reminds me that, you know, that this is kind of something that mm -hmm. maybe this place has been doing uh, more than other mm -hmm. other countries, or I don't know. I think uh, maybe you have more opportunities here after yeah. you, I think it's very important to not forget to be a bit daring, because I think Swiss people, we have tendencies to be a bit 
if, if you're in an environment where you can live comfortably and everything, what you see also often is people are happy to just be there. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, okay, then it's fine if you, for you, it's, it's enough. But again, if maybe it's worth trying to, you know, to show this car friendship yeah, yeah. outside mm -hmm. in a way and not be associated. And I, I don't know, always in, in Swiss music, like uh, people always feel a bit like, yeah, you know, like downsides are basically uh -huh. the talent yeah. work yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's that's the way we are yes, you know that's yeah. also okay it's like yeah. to be modest and, yeah, yeah, and not uh, to to upfront but if you need to show what you do outside it's, it's the same I think it's, I like to 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 think about this this industries you know like this micro engineering or yeah, all this yeah. talent that we have which is I mean it's nothing funky uh, or every you know, yeah. like But it's really is is really known, you know. Yeah, also yeah. in fashion, for example, you had this, you know, you have very specific um, craft, um, like for textile and everything, right, which yeah, is yeah, done yeah. in Switzerland. Yeah. Nobody talks so much like in the openly about it, but it's very famous. Yeah, it's yeah. the way that you know, like Swiss craft certain textile design or, also, uh, or design yeah, everything yeah, yeah. so we are good into that but yeah. the way is how you promote it and i think in music so far it's not came out it, it never really came out as like for example exactly like if you talk about the design swiss design yeah, yeah. or other things yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you talk swiss music the mm -hmm. relation the, the association is always wow you know yeah, it's yeah. not really yeah, like not uh, yet Not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> We count on you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean the, yeah. the scene in general. I mean, I'm. That's also why I'm doing all of this. Mm -hmm. It's because I'm quite passionate about mm -hmm. the things I see around here. Yeah. I think there's a there's a lot of unique, powerful music mm -hmm. being made, and uh, yeah, I I hope everyone can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's uh, and like you say, I think it's so much great music now, and it's what you see also. Um, This dynamic with also now the younger scene mm -hmm. coming up, people really picking up different genres of music mm -hmm. and approaching and people finding their audience and finding how, how to develop it. I think also now with this situation, I think the smallest format, you know, like just to say, okay, you know, like find places. And for me, it's really important that this can, all this creativity and talent can be expressed to through the right places, mm -hmm. you know. And that's important that to have a space where you can really, you know, experiment, play and meet and exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also why, for example, I liked so much to be at Rote Fabrique or different places, or if you talk about Zurich for the moods or other place, because it's place of meetings, mm -hmm. it's place of exchange. And then you go see bands or you 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 play you like you were saying, like you can improvise and you hang out there and you meet different people from different areas, maybe not your own areas, mm -hmm. which I think today is super important yeah, to not yeah, stay yeah. on your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. And that's a place we need to for example, for people like me who are not in musician but more into a pro, you know having organizing places or mm -hmm. make sure that musicians can play and you know express themselves to the right audience mm -hmm. and that's what you need to have more of these smaller places yes, yeah, or yeah. alive that you could say okay i go play there i go see what's happening and not just having very formatted 
clubs or big mm -hmm. festivals, right. etc. Should be more spaces for experimentation, yeah, I think. Yeah. But with a proper setup, you know, I think it's so important. Let's not go back to this terrible garage. And it's okay, you know, this will always happen. But yeah, I yeah. think it's nice to have places for 100, 150 people with a proper light, proper sound yeah, yeah. system, mm -hmm. with a team of people who are dedicated. This is so precious, yes, I think. It's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so maybe to finish, I can ask you the something that I love asking people too uh -huh. is the what is your with you know we talked about everything you've done and mm -hmm. all the different places you've lived and all the different kind of like environment of music that you mm -hmm. saw. What is your because you're still very active, you know, on the scene and you're mm -hmm. still very very important presence here. Uh, what is your main uh, motivation? What is the thing that makes you still still want to, you know, to keep working and find new ways? I mean, exactly what you just described. What is the thing that, that you are the most passionate about uh, what you do today? Yeah, but people like you, <laughs> for example. <laughs> no, but really for me, it's so amazing. Uh, always, you know, like, I think it's very, ins I don't know, intuitive or instinctive. Suddenly you go someplace, you hear something or you listen to a track and you're like, wow, you know, like, so it really eats something in you. I don't know. It's not so intellectually mm -hmm. thought, but I found exactly amazing. Like we discussed with now all these people like um, who are doing music, you know, always doing new stuff. If I look at the scene in Geneva, for example, you have so many different things in different dom domain, you know, mm -hmm. like... Um, yeah, from the hip hop scenes with all these scenes from colors, yeah, yeah, yeah. label, but also in sub orchestra, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. in the improvisation, you have Eclecto, yeah, yeah. Uh, etc. And, and you can Bongo go Joe, you Bongo Joe, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and so you have, you go there, you just listen uh, to, to the music that they produce, the records, the concerts, the ideas, the people, mm -hmm. and you just, it's so rich, you know, mm -hmm. I'm always amazed and I really like it. And I like the small things, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. it's very rare, I would say, if, but it's, this is me that I would go to a festival and I will look at a concert and I'm like flabbergasted, you know, yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> I've seen, uh, okay, I see Grace Jones and I was like, wow, you know, like amazing somebody transcending, you know, this format on, mm -hmm. on, on a big stage or Anony, for example, was also a great concert. What, what I remember, you know, but otherwise I like to go in a smaller place. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say for me, it's so this all this independence scene, mm -hmm. which is so hard so badly at the moment, yeah, yeah. is so important, you yeah. know. And this is really like, I mean, this is like the food, the basic, you know, like mm -hmm. um, if you look at the ocean, that the corals, you know, like uh, that's really what nourish after the whole, mm -hmm. you know, that the whole music and creative scene. Yeah. And I think it's so important that this thing can exist. And mm -hmm. that's why for me, I'm always excited. I go to a small concert, you know, sometimes I go to Lusine, to mm -hmm. Damien, who has Urgence, Urgence Disc, and then he organized concert. You can be, man, I don't know, 15 people. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, this is really this energy from all these people. Um, who, that's really what motivates me mm -hmm. and really... Uh, Help me, I would say, yeah, tells me, yeah, I would like to support this. And 
you know, and how can I, how can I help with mm-hmm. what I, where I'm now? Because I'm not, I don't want to program anymore or anything. Mm-hmm. But if I can help, especially specifically in the, the current situation, that's why I'm really engaged. Like in, for example, I, I work for Les Creatives, mm-hmm. Festival Creative, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm also at uh, president now from Swiss Music Export. And really trying to show this uh, with Swiss Music Export yeah. outside, find solutions for promoting um, the Swiss, mu- Swiss music. Also, like I told you, this li- label for me, Swiss is not yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not the right, but just right, like, yeah, yeah. yeah so there's so many great bands at the moment and great, great concerts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important. And uh, I like also what I found very interesting at the moment and super motivating is exactly people who go check in different scene and not you know go out of their comfort zone yeah, or yeah. i like the hybridation also like people who who use different you know go see different scene that's so i don't i never like these scenes who are too close to themselves yeah yeah, yeah. so for me plenty to be motivated really i think <laughs> it's a great moment for music at yeah, the moment yeah. There is great release and yeah, I look forward to the next concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Mesdames et messieurs, that was Laurence Tessarzan. I hope that you enjoyed as much as I did to hear about her life um, today and her experience with the Swiss music scene. I definitely learned a lot and was very inspired by the talk that we had. Uh, Thank you so much to her and thank you so much to everyone for listening and for uh, sending me messages when you are listening and for sharing and all of that. It makes me really happy to hear when this those conversations are resonating somehow with your life or whatever you're doing so thank you so much to those who wrote me this is very kind i will be back with one last episode after this one um, trying to conclude those six episodes uh, about uh, more precisely the the swiss music scene and then hopefully after that i will find other things to talk about here So thank you so much for doing this journey with me and for sharing the experience. It has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Céline Jex from SwissMusic.ch. This is the website you should be checking out for a bunch of stuff, but also about the written dossiers and articles about the conversations we are having here. And uh, yes, thank you. I will see you soon.